Hi, you're listening to Offsite, a series of interviews with theatre makers who work in unusual, site-specific, site-responsive and non-traditional spaces. This series was recorded over two weeks in December 2020 and is supported by the Arts Council. I'm Owen Winning, and in this episode, I'm talking to Peter Jordan. Um, Peter is a freelance production manager and health and safety consultant. He has worked with companies such as Machnus, Complicite, The Abbey, and is co-director of SLUA, an event safety consultancy company tasked by Theatre Forum, the Arts Council of Northern Ireland, and the Irish Arts Council with drafting the COVID-19 reopening arts centre guidelines. He has a master's degree in emergency management, along with a BA in crowd safety management and a higher diploma in occupational health and safety management. Pete, thanks very much for talking to me. Pleasure, Owen. Um, where are you from? Carlo. Carlo. The metropolis. Mm. <laughs> um, and how much theatre, if any, did you watch when you were growing up? Uh, uh, none, ever, if ever, never, never. Across <laughs> <laughs> the towns, that was the extent of it, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't in my radar at all, like, you know. So uh, what made you want to work in the arts? Uh, the money. Uh, I just think <laughs> the, the the money that's in the sector, I mean, it's it's just a license to print, uh, and uh, that was it. That's why I went to, the, I, saw, I saw gold, it was a gold rush. Yeah. Um, no, I was in, I was in living, uh, when I, I did a industrial design in Carlo, and uh, I went to Galway to go on the dole, um, as you do, and mm-hmm. uh, end up joining Galway Youth Theatre, doing a production course on Galway Youth Theatre, and I loved it. And then a placement of false scheme came up in Mockness. So I went on that and that was it. As soon as I kind of, uh, to be fair, it was a go with you theater and that was the start of it. And I loved it. And, uh, you know, and that's where it was. So having the enthusiasm and then obviously knowing that I was going to be like, like, you know, licensed to print money. I was like, it's perfect uh, <laughs> industry to fall into, you know? Well, you're, we're, we're lucky that, uh, <laughs> that the uh, financials were, were so beneficial for you. Unbelievable, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a series of interviews about um, off-site work mostly. Um, and I kind of use that phrase to kind of cover site-specific work, site-responsive work, and pretty much anything that's not uh, performed in a traditional theatre space. So uh, what would be the first thing you would say to someone who comes to you, like a company or an artist, and uh, tells you that they want to present work outside of a traditional theatre space? Uh, I would, I, to be honest with you, as soon as anybody comes to me like that, I completely engage because uh, for me, I, I just think it's so, um, I think that's sort of heart of it is. Um, and I suppose it's just about listening to what they want to do, what their ideas are. Um, and that's kind of based on what, where they want to do it. 
Um, so I suppose it's the scope of the project and then who they have who they have involved, what groups, what their ambition is, um, when they want to stage it, what time of the year they want to stage it. So I suppose all of those kind of variables kind of kick into gear pretty quickly, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, it's suppose it's what what underpins that vision, uh, mm. like uh, that's, that'd be the big thing. And like ideally, how far in advance of a performance um, offsite should a company be approaching someone like you? I mean, I like, take it as um, early as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, it kind of depends. I mean, I think it differs maybe with theatre is in it. If you go into a conventional theatre, I think there can be conversations before maybe a production manager comes on board mm -hmm. to some degree, you know. Um, but I think uh, for an outdoor work, uh, the, the production role, um, it, it maybe is much is more integrated because it really is a determination on, on, on what what's achievable to some degree, you know. So yeah. I think maybe... At the start of it because then you can set or discuss parameters and it then allows a world to be created so that stuff can exist within that so you know i would say from a, a, you know a reasonably early stage um i think is a benefit i mean you know what what's early you know I and mean, especially in the way we are now at the moment with the pandemic you know like as of like two or two days ago you can do a, an outdoor event for 15 people so i think the response time to that is shortens up massively, mm. which is brilliant. And I think we need to see how well those just because we did it, you know, like maybe an 18 month lead up before or an eight month or a two months, maybe now it's 10 days. And it's like, okay, let's roll with that. So I think it's, it's you know, it ebbs and flows. And I didn't know um, that that had changed actually, that you could have 15 people outdoors yeah. and theaters still I, closed. I, there you go. Go outside, guys. Go outside, <laughs> you know. But um, but uh, yeah. So that's the story, you know. So I think, uh, but it's really I look at I love outdoor work. Outdoor work for me is where it's at, you know. It's like it's there's such an edge off of you. Can't, and look, at, I love theater as well, and I love mm. dance. And yeah, are there um extra safety measure measures that uh, companies need to consider when you're working? like off-site that you wouldn't need in a traditional venue? Uh, I suppose yeah, it depends I mean, on the work. Uh, like, it, it, look at it, it's completely, uh, it, it is a, it's, it's completely different. In so far, it's completely different and completely the same. Uh, the big variable is the audience, obviously, because mm. in the theatre, you don't really have to worry. The audience come in, say, in the seats and they leave. So you really have to worry from the set and line back. And there's massive control in that environment. Mm. But um, when you step into the outdoor gig, uh, that the audience experience starts from when they get the box office. So it's a, it's a question of, and it's all about uh, wh where your audience are positioned and what journey you take them on. So that's, so that's, a, that's, that's massive, you know? And then yeah. it's a question, okay, well, if they're in one place for too long, they could get cold or whatever, because we have the Irish weather. So I think there's a very, uh, the uh, the oblig you know obviously safety etc but the event experience I think is is extremely different you know so it's it's um I'm not sure if that answered the question you asked I think so yeah uh, it is very it's a it's very different but a lot of the, the craft is still the same mm -hmm. but probably maybe a little bit more basic you know because you know you can't build 
like a, a significant LX rig that can stay up for a, a series of days purely because it costs the amount of production services you need to put in, you need mm -hmm. to put in power, uh, everything, you know what I mean, structure. So there's certain things you just, it's, it's harder to achieve unless you've got a massive amount of money behind it, you know, so. Yeah. But that's what makes it exciting. It's like a bricolore approach to to the craft, you know. What's a what's a bricolore approach? I've never heard that phrase before. What you have available, and that's, that's brilliant, you know. There we go. Oh, and thank you, thank you. Bricolage is oh, bricolage. Okay. Uh, they use a lot. Yeah. So it's 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 a lot of it's to do with resiliency, and it's what you do is you 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 make do with what's available, or you repurpose what's available. So when you were upscaling or up up uh, upcycling your your cupboard to make it look all like you know like a hipster coffee shop. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, very good. I must. Uh, yeah, I'll bring that to uh, to John McCarthy next week. He he is a phrase uh, <laughs> theatre du chance, um, <laughs> which. Is possibly a, a related kind of idea. Um, what's the most unusual place you've uh, worked on a show? Oh, oh uh, <laughs> what's the most unusual place I've worked on a show? Oh, God, that's a terrible question to ask me. Um, I don't like God. I think it's far fair, probably done something. Um, you know what? I I don't I don't know I don't know I think everywhere is unusual to some degree. Um, oh, the total cop out. An awful question to ask me. That's a total cop out. Yeah, I refused. I refused. I want to. Can I can I call the First Amendment on that? So for I'm freedom of speech. Fair oh no! If that means I have to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's you know, Fourth I'm Amendment. Not, not is that question. right to remain silent? Fourth, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or no, Fifth Amendment. Um, anyway, that's America. That's not here, so none of that yeah, counts. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so dodging the question as as uh, as yeah. your want. Uh, where do you get equipment for offside performances? Are there companies that you like to work with, or does it depend on what the designers are looking for? It all depends on what designers are looking for. I mean, to be fair, well, like we're really lucky in Ireland because there's horror shops that they know the language, you know. Um, you know, and so it'd be like go whatever PSI or Q1 or you know, and then staging companies the likes of like Trevor Price, uh, Activo. Um, there is a large network, and and I think what's really good in Ireland generally is that people work across multiple industries. So you know, if I work in theatre, I also work in corporate. I could be working festivals. I could work mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, funded festivals or non-funded. Um, so it's very, and I think if you maybe go into bigger, um, organ, not organizations, but I suppose um, industries, like if you do much else, or if you're a theater rigger, I think in Ireland, the industry is small enough that we actually have to do everything. So if there's, a, uh, it's, there's a really solid network for everything, you know, from like Johnny Mobile, who does radios, um, to um, Johnny Fire or whatever, you know, so there's, there's a really great network in Tony Gas and, you know, so it's, mm. it's great, you know. Does it, is it, do those kind of contacts, you just sort of build them up over time? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, it's funny. I mean, um, uh, yeah, I, it, there's no, there's no directory. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit weird, you know, it's, the, it's just, if I lose my phone, I'm gone, you know. Um, <laughs> 
and there's probably a lot of people have deleted my number anyway, so it's probably, it's probably <laughs> fine. Um, so yeah, that's it. It's it, and it's you build up relationships with people because then it's it's when you know when you're ringing somebody like, you know, if it's outdoor and like say Alex O'Neill does water or uh, it's like a space or whatever it is there's a kind of shorthand and the, and everybody knows that like if you're in the middle of the festival season in the summer people know where everybody is around the mm. country and you're yeah. you're sensitive to to their corpse whether that's like structures or marquees or whatever and you kind of know well look at it's going to be like this you know mm. so i think there is an understanding um, that this, this is the way the, the the system has to has to work to be able to support that. And um, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of stuff there's of scale, and generally, the the outdoor artistic events are um, I, I like I think because there's such a massive overhead there on on like labor's your biggest cost always on a gig, you know. Mm-hmm. But even the creation, you know, so and it's expensive, you know. Yeah. If you want to do stuff with scale, even putting in a seating rig or whatever, by the time you you know. A structure and get a structure engineer sign off and etc um you know it can be it can be the scale can be expensive if you almost like if you work against the environment so if you try and impose a world on top of the sure. environment the cost can, can can escalate pretretty quickly you know yeah um you're, you're gonna like this question now how much does consumption of alcohol factor when you're risk assessing an event? Well, you, you know what? Um, it's probably evident now. A lot of the industries that have alcohol in them are closed, mm. and like that, that actually shows um, the level of of like you know, there's not. You can almost argue that there's an industry at the moment that's closed because of alcohol. Because once people uh, uh, drink, they you know, achieving social distances is really problematic. Look at alcohol is massive. As soon as you bring alcohol inside, you bring you're talking security. Also, also you're talking about revenue because you're on a if 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 somebody's if, okay if somebody says to me I'm running the bar automatically uh, by default in a way I kind of think okay well that that's that's actually uh, economic gain commercial gain because mm. um and it changes it changes the goalposts to some degree because then what you're talking about is sometimes you're talking about uh. PSA licensing uh, requirements. You're talking about uh, uh, access control. Um, you know, obviously you're in the bar, so it's kind of you know. I mean, okay, it'd be different if you're running a like, you know, a wine bar if you're running a like, you know, taps, and then um, it, and then it affects your audience profile as well. So it's kind of go, who's going to come to the gate? What's their expectation? Mm. Um, so it, it it does change. I mean, obviously for artistic, I mean for a music gig, like that's what it is. It's a glorified mm. bar. <laughs> no, so, to manager when working offsite. Um, biggest challenge. Shit. Um. Uh, I think um, maybe permissions, depending on the on the scale of the work, depending on where you work. You know, mm. there's certain towns. I mean, um, there there's no um, hard and fast uh, rule book. Um, the Irish codes of practice are like really out of date. You know, so um, you know, like back in 1996. So there's no kind of formal. Like if I go to like um, a small town, I'm probably going to go into the local engineer's office or probably going into the guards. 
last permissions and um, mm -hmm. if i'm going into dublin then i'm going into their event planning section and that's a completely different beast so i i think it's about getting local permissions is probably and getting local buy-in that's mm. probably the biggest thing because you know it, sometimes you're going into a place and they don't have a clue what you're at and you just have to kind of go okay well look at you may think i'm mad but this is what mm. we're going to try to do here and how you bring along how you create local buy-in and you bring them with you you know and create maybe even create a legacy that there's something else yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know so. i mean once once you have that permission and you have a local community on board it changes from a challenge into an absolute benefit i presume because you know people are willing you know oh, yeah. in my experience people are are coming up behind and, and offering more help or offering more ideas or telling you about places or, yeah. or opportunities that you didn't even realize before um oh yeah completely and it people love it you know mm. um what is your favorite tool or technology or or i should say what's like the most important tool or technology that you use the phone i knew you'd say that <laughs> i mean look at ultimately i i think that's actually Sometimes we can we can look at technology as in whether it's the fucking moving light or whatever. The most expensive uh, uh, resource on on stage or in a site is people and the story. That, that's it, and that uh, that will cost you the most. Uh, that's the most you have to invest in, and unless that's working, the rest of it can go jump. Um, and I think a lot of it, production management, it's about it. It's people. That's it. Yeah, for, for me, I think it does, you know, um, and that's the biggest investment. That's the biggest resource you have to manage. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I mm. think it's, that's it, you know. So your most important technology is people. Yeah, and being able to contact them, yeah. you know, and keyboards and, yeah. you know, that's it. And information. And, and because, I, to be fair, I mean, I know kind of like lazy fair gets a bad name, <laughs> but um, people are, contrary to popular belief that we're not in this for the money you know what i mean we're in this because of you know what we want to do and, what we, and it, once everybody's there and they want to do that nobody's in that room or in that field not wanting to do their best work mm. you know because mm -hmm. i actually maybe i'm naive to believe that um but i i do believe that and i think if you allow people to 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 achieve what what they want to achieve i think that that's it you know what i mean so it's about Create those avenues um, and enabling people to, to do that, you know. Um, so, yeah, great. Um, what uh, what's something basic that everyone putting on an offsite show always forgets? Um, I think every as soon as you put in um, uh, the budget line for toilets, people are like, oh, "Come on, people don't need toilets, do they?" <laughs> So that's always the bone of contention. This like, and then the first thing they'll ask for when they come on site is like, "Where's the toilet?" You know, and you're like, oh, "Well, you know, mm. I mean, you, you took that one out line out of the budget, and I mean, you could use a pub down the road." Whatever about the audience, like that's something that the cast and crew need, you know. As soon as yeah, they it does, it. but completely. Oh yeah, look, you get their toilets, but it's like it's everything is about cost, you know. But it's, yeah, it, that's the thing. Are doing outdoor work it's like you're paying for everything you know what i mean so there are no unless you're looking you're looking for facilities and resources within the local environment you know i get it and then sometimes maybe you have to you choose your local environment on the basis of available resources and facilities 
but uh, it, it's you know when you're spending money like on power and on toilets and on welfare and all the stuff that comes for granted in a theater setting it's like mm. you know that's what makes it so expensive you know yeah so the, the i mean i suppose it speaks as well to just there's a lack of infrastructure that needs to be accounted oh, yeah. for and um, that's what's brilliant about it as well because you get to invent this new world so everything is like everything is up for grabs yeah you know and it's like that's great um so you've been at this for a while um have you developed like a standard practice or approach to managing events um and like how much can plans and risk assessments be adapted from say you did did a show last year or uh, say an event last year and now you're kind of doing the same thing but you're doing you know very you know like a variation so maybe getting a bit bigger or a bit smaller can you go back to your previous risk assessments and just sort of start with that and is that the sort of practice you you use or would you like every time something comes in you started it completely blank page uh, uh oh yeah i mean you're always using what you did before i mean i think yeah. that's the way the world works really isn't it mm-hmm. um yeah i always do it you know and to be fair like in the scale of the gigs yeah i'd be doing you know like i used to probably do a bit more outdoor stuff now i'm probably doing a bit more indoor stuff or mm-hmm. corporate or mm-hmm. um so it's you know even the scale of what i'd be doing isn't of the scale of what the what the guys are and girls and um men and women everybody on um yeah big outdoor gigs like the likes of slain is just like oh my god it's so impressive and i've you know, I've been lucky enough to work on it, you know, for event days a few times. And it's just like, I just so, you know, it's so the scale of that. Mm. But it, look, it's completely interchangeable, you know. Um, and I think you definitely bring what you've like, what your risk assessments, your method statements. I mean, to be fair, some of the MPs, your manager plans, you have to produce a fairly onerous documents. Mm-hmm. So you have to be able to. And a lot of it is, it is a set. Uh, procedure and process uh, protocol so you need to be able to adapt that you know so you do bring a lot of that uh, information with you you know mm. you have to yeah I'll be interviewing Maeve Lambert about accessibility uh, later in the week um, from an event management mm. perspective do you think organizers put enough effort into ensuring access to gigs festivals and site-specific performances I think it depends. I mean, I think it depends on the event. Um, I would say that I would say I'm not in a position to comment because okay. I, I, well, no, no, I, and, and I mean so far as that, I think, I think you'd want to ask somebody from like ADI, and I, I, you know, I think there's a massive underrepresentation of people with disabilities um, across our across our, our life. I think it's getting I think it's getting better and I think you know one of the first things as a, as a, as a point of reference is well how are people going to get around this in a wheelchair and that's always mm. a, a really big thing um but I think even like this year has been a really I mean it's been very interesting for me to see uh to to work with uh or you know develop guidance documents or uh, and, and to be conscious of people with disabilities and ask people who declare and who actually don't declare with, with mm. disabilities so I think we can we can very much get better. I mean, the likes of, I mean, I, I you know, I learned so much, especially from the likes of Maeve and the work down in KCash and Equinox and whatever. And, and it, like, it's, you know, it's brilliant. Um, mm. I think it's getting better. I think we can improve massively, um, but it is, I think it is getting, it's improving, you know? Okay. Um, 
companies working site specifically often have unusual times for accessing those spaces. Um, is there an is there an element of increased risk, say, for example, if uh, an LD has to focus between midnight and 4 a.m. or something like that? I mean, it depends, you know, it depends on local environments, you know, it depends on, um, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, there is, but you know what, I, like there's loads of other professions that have the same uh, uh, risk that they have to deal with as well. So I think it's, mm. it's somewhat normal within the industry, you know, mm. but, you know, I think when you have a bit of experience, you kind of have a sense of how you navigate it, you know. Yeah. Um, how do you approach balancing resources between various designers and stage management and direction departments? Mm. Uh, I suppose at the start, I'm, I'm somebody who kind of, I try to cost it up and and presents all the costings to the creative team and it's like their shopness so if they have like thousand euros i mm. i put the shopness together and if the shopness comes down to be ten thousand euros then they need to make the decision of what they don't spend mm. you know what i mean and there could be certain things that they have to spend money on anyway and there's nothing we can do about that mm. but i i kind of step back from making a decision you know to just say well they can't afford it because i think that you know i think the creative team have to make that conversation you know um and hopefully uh you know with regards to stage management you you know they get costed in at that stage as well and hopefully you've got them covered i mean look it's, it's like anything if, if a high cost comes in for stage management uh, you know for an unseen cost then you just have to go back to the creative team and say well look at this is what we have to deal with and sometimes you know they'll it can be uh but you know difficult but mm. as much as possible i I would let creative teams deal with uh, or their costs at the white card and then I try work it out and if, if I, I I might move stuff around from that point but very much from the initial costing stage mm. it's their budget you know so it's a question of they because they prioritize in their vision then of, of what they feel needs to get waiting you know whether that's to get another four dancers or whether that's to you know they may say well actually you know what i really want to invest in the scenery rather than having performers around it or whatever and you're like mm -hmm. okay well you, you know so that's what i would so so is it important say. then yeah is it important then to like make sure that everyone of the creative team like has a say in that or that it's brought to you know say a production meeting as opposed to just making a little side deal yeah. Oh, well, okay. I suppose in, it depends on the, on the creative team. Like ultimately a lot of it is the director, the designer, the LD, sound designer. Uh, so the core creatives and they determine the, the costing, but what also generally what I do for, for the initial design is that you do costings, but you also do resources as well. So you look at so you do your budget and you do your, your production build and mm. your rehearsal time so it is so you kind of go okay well look at this is the cost on uh on uh finance but also this is the cost as regards time and resource mm. so and and the budget is based on this as a process so if you decide not to do this or if you decide you know what i want to have on-site catering that's fine that just cost for on-site catering um, and so all those critical things, because they may feel, you know what, well, I want to feed everybody on, on site because it creates this kind of unison and this team approach, which I completely 
make sense mm. but that may cost you five or six hundred quid a day mm -hmm. over the course of like 10 days on site mm. you know, so that's six grand mm -hmm. so, so is that money well spent i you know and you know so they make those decisions but you look at those regards the process and uh, the rehearsal schedule and the production schedule and everything is it's all part of this bigger picture you know yep okay um, i finally see this video and they say they asked me no 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 they asked me why didn't you do all those things for me and why and i'd be like oh sugar i'd be like ringing on oh, can you take down that video or just edit well, this well, this is it we'll do we'll, whatever people are watching now is going to be the edited version so we'll see if that makes it in um <laughs> I I sometimes hear stories of shows being cancelled and I've actually experienced shows being cancelled due to bad weather or equipment failing for you know environmental reasons. Um do Irish theatre makers underestimate the weather? Uh no, I think everybody embraces it. I you yeah. know, I think there's a real like I remember like years ago doing a show in Galway and Eamon Fox going into the tennis courts and then you G and drilling holes in the tennis courts to drain out the water. <laughs> I mean, like it's the show will go on, you know, and it's amazing. And I think people, you know, look at I mean what what's more and more a, important in, in event plans is weather management plans and we have our like yellow orange red weather system and etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah i think we're all there and we're like let's do this if we can you know and i think we're getting more savvy to it so you know we're you know we, we're used to it nobody can say well the weather was a surprise you know mm. although at, at the same time i mean we are seeing major weather events increasing over the past few years and, you know we're getting worse and uh, more dangerous storms than we've had for you know hundreds of years so um i don't know maybe it's yeah, a possibly, possibly and everybody says it rains in ireland all the time i mean like i i i i think we okay i i agree with you but we live in, an, in a world where media is is ever present and i think we need to acknowledge where maybe our our bias are and our proximity bias so if we feel that there's storms are all the time then there are storms all the time you know look at we we ultimately we are on the west coast of europe and if you're mm. doing a gig in the west coast of ireland in december january or whatever as you know it the the degree of probability that it's you're going to get hit with bad weather on a more mm. frequent basis is highly probable you know so and i think if we look to the likes of europe or england they're they're ultimately their their climates are a little bit milder than ours you know and like that's the reality of it mm. we are on the west coast of of europe and the edge of the atlantic you know it's like make it waterproof um, and our weather look at make it waterproof i mean come on i can probably count on one hand i'm like 44 and i can count on one hand how many times i had a hot summer in my entire life <laughs> i've never you know like weather is always you know what did you talk about in your interview with pete owen oh we talked about the weather um <laughs> if you advise a company on a health and safety matter and they ignore your advice what are the consequences if someone is injured, who is liable? Um, oh, God, I, look at I, I, I don't know. I mean, 
I suppose I was like years and years and years ago, I was on site um, when a really bad accident happened. And yeah, after that, I was like, it made me look at the world that we work in. And, you know, especially in the theatre where, where our workspace is underneath um, uh, like hung equipment. Like if you went into a garage and they all started hanging their cars out of the roofs and you start walking around the garage underneath these cars, you'd be like, but that's what we do. We work into a theatre and it's like, we're so used to it at this stage. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. But it is an incredibly, it is a dangerous environment, you know, um, and I think it comes w with experience. It, look, at, there are people, you're trying to kind of manage what, what people's expectations are and what, what people want to do. Um, and it's it, sometimes it can, it can get quite fraught. Um, if... It, look, it, I, I kind of got to the stage now where if I kind of feel something about something, I'll just say it. And if I don't really feel happy about it, I'll probably just walk mm -hmm. because I'm just like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm just not dealing with it. Like, you know, and it's like, I like, it's fine if you, if they want to do that, Um, but I'm not going to be a part of that, yeah. you know? Um, and it's just because I just can't go there. I think emotionally, I just can't go there either. Um, but... Um, if if somebody does do that, it, it probably to be fair to them, it puts them in a very precarious position because if something happens subsequently, their due diligence is really questioned. You mm. know, um, I, you know, and I think that's you know, and if they can't show reasoning, if you can't show, you've got a proper uh, risk assessment to support that, and there, and the amount of of like uh, like liability, but the amount of responsibility that you have to yourself, to your own personal safety, and to the mm. safety of everybody around you is is quite onerous, you know. And I think even for that, as a senior management, you they can't outsource that responsibility to let's say if I work for a company and they say, well, look, it's the responsibility of Peach to deal with that. They can't do that. They have good governance and. Um, and senior management is uh, like corporate manslaughter. Uh, they they have to um, uh, they they have to accept that they can't get rid of that responsibility. You know, so um, I suppose it depends. Not, uh, um, so uh, look at it, it, it. Liability wise, it makes it tricky. But then you can't be in a position where you say no to everything. Uh, you know, and have this massive. So so there is a. a there is a balance there as well, mm. you know. So and as well as that, sometimes you get into an organization and people use safety as a stick to beat either organizational change yeah. or change within an environment. And so, yeah, it it's, can be political as well. So mm. yeah. okay, so a bit of a minefield. Can be, yeah, yeah. Um, who have you learned most from in your career? Is there any person? uh oh like fucking i learned um i learned more and more everybody like i'm, I'm the fucking take a stitch in the fucking i wouldn't fucking hire me if i hired me i'd be questioning the people who hire me because i'm a fucking dope we'll be editing um, this bit out definitely. i learned from yeah 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 <laughs> i learned from uh, everybody like from from you from emma grady from eamon fox from fucking uh, Rob Fury from fucking Fiona Keller from uh, like 
Tony fucking Walsh, she does all the gas from Ali. Like, uh, it, there is such an amazing resource and network of people around the place, and um, you, you're always learning from them. Like, it, it's amazing. Uh, you know, like you drive in the van with Audi, Audi Sherwin, and it's like, it's, it's brilliant, you know. And then, mm. yeah, so, uh, look at I, I think the best thing I ever did was probably go back to college p- purely, not, not purely so I could understand. Uh, some some things and it gave me a somewhat of an inform like an informed position um but uh, look at i'm a i don't think you like i think as a community it's quite an oppressive community and it's mm. a really great bunch of people you know so yeah i totally agree with that um like, you know speaking of going back to college um you have a family to support and three degrees in health and safety are you ever tempted to work in a commercially lucrative industry? Well, to be honest with you, I uh, with theatre, I'm making so much money um, that I I think I could probably retire in a year. I mean, like, I mean, well, it's just, hopefully like, within the events. Like, there's theatre. I mean, it's minted. Uh, look at um. I think the biggest problem I had was years ago. So I did the masters and I did the degree, um, and I didn't get any funding from the arts council at all because there's no available funding. Um, and so it means I have to go into the corporate sector. So we like or you know we taste them and they're like they're great events to work on, but they are corporate, you know. So I kind of mm-hmm. do. I, I'm not doing as much theatre, I'm not doing, probably doing as much outdoor work as I used to or I'd like to, and it, there is the practicalities of of life and having a family. Um, I do think the arts council should really, are, should really look about how they support their production and technical crews and career development, because it's something that, especially through career development, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of people at production managers, and, and it's a hard business to, to, to go old and have a career in you know and I, like i'm mid 40s now and it's like you know it's i'm one of the older ones you know and it's like jesus yeah i'm 44 you know it's like fuck's sake that's ridiculous mm. you know so i think there is a big problem within the sector and and how you do how you do retention of of knowledge and skill set and craft you know and i would say that even it's brilliant to see the lear come up because my craft for years was like a a polygon and that's terrible like craft is in, in no one to do your knots and your rope work and whatever and it's like mm. you know i'd love to see you know people can uh, uh, go get older and have a career and support the family and, and get a mortgage and and i do think the arts council need to step into that void a little bit you know and have those conversations because I'm, I, I know ast and the work that they've done has been exemplary but I think we're a little bit of a forgotten tribe, you know, and it, it, I think that's, that's, that's unfortunate, you know, but it is hard. And especially because my wife is uh, a choreographer and, um, and her career is, is the is the career that uh, needs to be supported the most, mm. you know, and it's like, um, so it is, it's tricky, you know, it is, it is tricky and it's, it, it is hard to, to do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I should point out that this interview is supported by the Arts Council. Like, this is part of the bursary, the, the theatre bursary. So mm. there are there are some supports, but I absolutely agree that I think that could be a really good investment 
um, strand of investment to maybe look at increasing? Yeah, look at I think there's an unusual year, and it's we've got you know just been a really an injection of of money into the industry purely to keep it uh, on on life support. Um, but I think a lot of people were asking questions back last, you know, March and April, saying they didn't want to step back into the world they stood out of in February. Yeah. And I think we can't forget that. And as we go to step back into that world again early next year, hopefully, we kind of go, well, what were the lessons we learned? And yeah. I do think people are still talking in silos. So people, production managers talking to production managers and producers talk to producers. And I think that the one thing about our industry is everybody kind of can talk to each other when they're on site. But we've missed that for the last 12 to 16 months. Um, or sorry, not 12, whatever, it's time of nine months. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, 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 you know, I think the questions have to be asked about what, and even the question of, of people now having weekends, like I've had nine months of weekends. Jesus, mm. I've never had that. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, that, that but kind I, of... had, I, I, the only reason I can have that is like, no, Oh, I was going to say that that brings me, it was going to bring me on to another question, which was, you know, we, we have had this large increase in funding uh, in the Arts Council this year, but how much of that is going to be spent directly on COVID-19 safety measures? Uh, yeah, but COVID-19 safety measures isn't like, stay, stay two metres apart, wash your hands and wear a mask. You know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. fundamentally what it is, mm -hmm. but it's it's the working protocol and procedures that, uh, uh, to to support that as a working model. I mean, you know, look at uh, part of our problem at the moment is is that we it's performing artists, um, music and dance uh, within an indoor uh, environment uh, where um, there's massive issues with ventilation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like you know, we're, we are like the devil's child, uh, you know. Um, so it is, uh, you know, it's about, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's tricky, but to be fair, look at the, 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 the only way the, the, the industry is going to survive was with massive injection of cash yeah. because there's no way they would have, you know, absolutely, it would have got through otherwise, you know, mm -hmm. And the lobby groups are out there, like the NCFA and Theatre Forum uh, have done uh, like really Trojan work mm. um, over the year. And it's been really to, uh, to, see, to see, you know, and like uh, events um, on Epic and all these. And uh, like, it's, it's been great to see it, you know, and maybe- They're really inspiring. Beyond it, you know, so yeah. let's see, you know. Um, yeah, Pete, yeah, not a great. Pete, what do you enjoy most about your job? Um, being able to talk to you. No, okay, wrong answer. You can edit that out. Um, what do I enjoy most about the job? I think, I don't know. I mean, um, hmm. I. I I think I'm getting more and more into oh god I don't know you're gonna have to ask me ask me that in a while okay we um, can come back to it if you want I think being able to well no no I think being able to work with people and to realize their ambition uh, I think that's really that that's that's really 
good. I mean, I think that's probably where I get most of it. If they feel that what's on stage represents what was in their mind, I'm like, okay, that that works for me, you know. Mm. I think you're happy. Yeah. Um, you worked on the Reopening Arts Centre guidelines, and it's an extremely comprehensive document. Um, mm. Went through it there the other day. Uh, were you disappointed that art centres were not allowed to remain open? Were you surprised? I should say in in level three. Well, to be most fair, recently. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. No, I mean, I look at art centres are allowed open in the form of a gallery space, mm -hmm. in the form of their theatre space is big issue really and um, mm. I'm not really surprised no you know I mean up a couple of months ago we were accepting that level you know when theatre went into level two um, uh, I think uh, you know we accepted that I think really strong lobby groups came in I think uh, cinema lobbied hard to get it into level three I think museums and galleries were probably presented as a less um, let's say hazardous space to some degree um, so I think theatre is problematic because I think if you open the door on that, it's like, okay, well, like you look at scale of work, you look at ventilation, you look at type of activity and we're coming into panto season, mm. you know? So it's like, and as well as that, as an issue, we can still actually work and broadcast online, you know? So I, I, and ultimately we have to look at this and kind of go, we're in the middle of a global pandemic that, that yesterday killed 18 people in our mm. country, mm -hmm. you know, with like, and it's like, that's insane. So we've got a highly mm. infectious disease in our local community and it's most prevalent within indoor crowded sessions. Mm. And that's our world. You know, so yeah. it's, uh, look at, and if we're making small, small shows, um, you know, and controlled spaces, I get a lot of that. But trying to put a parameter on what you can put on the stage, I think becomes extremely problematic. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, we've seen novel approaches to live events from across the world, from socially distanced gigs to discos in cars, you know. Um, did any of the like live events companies that you work with consider trying something similar in Ireland? Uh, well, okay, let me think about that. I mean, I suppose the, the theatre stuff, I mean, um, not massively, but I think to be fair, I think our um, our public health criteria were a little bit more onerous than maybe what, you, what we saw elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did see some stuff, but it was, it was, it was tricky. I mean, I was kind of really, there is stuff that happened, like let's say the festival in the van and the stuff they hate to see initiative for for music for places of residential care and that mm. was really impressive to see that you know i mean I, i've seen a little bit but but not a lot but to be fair it has been so restrictive mm -hmm. to to be able to do anything i mean it's been really interesting seeing the broadcast stuff and to be fair like one of the best piece of work i've seen in years was the the dead center dtf show i was like that's fucking brutal brilliant so you know there's been amazing things out there as well and hopefully you know and and yeah you know as a form people have maybe will have, will have gone somewhere else and i'm excited about what could come out of it you know mm. i just be i just hope we don't step back into what we were last february to some degree you know so that, i mean that kind of um brings me on to my next question um like I was working i was rigging on that uh dead center show and i thought you know it looked really kind of amazing especially in terms of the turnaround time 
Um, but mm. but like we've seen like a, a huge increase in shows being performed online, either streamed live or as recorded shows. Um, and as we see an increase in this type of performance, is there kind of a reduced need for a large production team, a large crew? You know, if, if uh, really all you need is, is a basic lighting setup and a fixed camera kind of Possibly. thing. Possibly. Yeah, but to be fair, that's one show. You don't mm. know. And, and people want that live experience, you know what I mean? But you could probably argue then that it gives you a lot more versatility to... to um, to go elsewhere, you're not stuck within a theater space to produce the work. So you can mm. go offsite. You can probably do more work, you know. Um, so it might be smaller teams, but there might be more smaller teams, you know. So you know, I think, and as well as that, everybody can broadcast. So all you need is one of these. Yeah. So uh, you know, if if anything, it's it's um, uh, it's yeah, it makes it um easier to get your work out there to some degree. I'm not sure, you know. I mean, let's see how that space goes, but I do think it's about being able to see and support that change mm. and 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 to be actively engaged with, with how, what, uh, with, with what works, you know, and, mm -hmm. and supporting uh, those um, innovators and kind of going, okay, well, how can we go all in here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you expect, or there's talk of maybe five vaccines now, um, do you expect to see any return to international touring uh, next year in 2021? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think we could, yeah. You know, like you saw this morning with UK vaccines and look, maybe for the first couple of months, I think it's going to be tricky. Um, it's going to, we're going to see what the second half of the year is like, but I, I think there is, I think as a, as, a, as a world, I think we've changed, you know, mm. and then it's about, okay, well, if you look at Culture Ireland and if you look at the whole idea of what soft power is, I think there has to be, a, there's a strategy around touring. And I think people will look again about, let's say, bringing 10 or 15 people out on a touring show, you know, and putting fuel into the plane across the other side of, mm. you know, into America, whatever. And I think, I would think that we're going to see a change in, in how we do that type of work. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was something, you know, it's like on, even if you see if like, well, if people are creating online work, would there not be merit in creating like an online art center or something like that? You know what I mean? Or where, yeah. so, so we really kind of embrace it, you know, and I, you know, I think it'd be great to take those lessons and, and to really look at, at a work, as a, as a working group that, that, that is representative of our entire sector. That's not full of producers, and it's not full of, of a certain mode of, of understanding. That it's 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 reflective of the community. There, I, I think there could be it could be really exciting. You know. Mm. Cool. Well, hopefully, um, the the live events industry um, was warning earlier in the year of a drain of talent, um, such as experienced technicians, producers, and suppliers leaving the industry if they weren't supported by the government. Um, have you seen any evidence of this happening in your like amongst your own contacts, or are people? I know there was some uh, money put aside. Um, are people sort of grimly holding on? Yeah, I think people are maybe diversifying a little bit. I mean, you see a lot, like, let's say with, you know, online kind of conferences, type stuff. we see a lot more stuff with film. I think people have really kind of gravitated into film work quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And there's probably maybe enough in it for people to eke out an existence at the moment. Mm 
Um, but I think a lot of people are actually standing back as well and kind of going, you know what, I've had eight months of weekends mm. and they have people, young families and it's... Uh, so, I, you know, um, for loads of different reasons, I think we, we may see people come back. I mean, and that's the problem, I think, if we go back into next year and, you know, let's say even with security, because uh, it's massive um, personnel with, within those um, sectors. And it's like, okay, well, what type of events are we going to walk into next summer, you know? Mm-hmm. And how do we make sure um, that knowledge is retained, but also then how do we have an active programming of training and retraining? And, and it's not about COVID anymore. It's about the normal risks. I mean, I went into a theater a couple of weeks ago and I brought my ma- my mask and my hand gel, but of course I forgot my steel toes and my 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 hard hat. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's that we we actually, you know, the risk of slip trips and falls are far more great. Mm-hmm. You know, so we to, we need to remember that. You know, yeah, that yeah. we can't forget working a height and all and all of those things are really easy, but we forget them so because it's muscle memory. You know, mm-hmm. we forget them and you know. Um, would you encourage emerging technicians to look into a career in production management? Yeah, oh, big time. You know, I mean, emerging technicians could be anybody, you know, and it's like, um, yeah, why not? If you kind of feel, you know, if we like to do it, then do it. You know, it's it's like anything. It's like any other job that's that's there, you know, and mm. yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> a straightforward answer to a straightforward question. Um, with, we've been talking a lot about COVID um, and I'm throwing in another question here that I didn't have my, on my list, but like talking about the touring there and stuff and the live events. Um, how much is Brexit going to uh, affect your work? Um I don't know. I thought you have to find out what, where it comes, where it comes out. I mean, I think the biggest issue is actually. I mean, look at a lot of Irish hire companies are going to be looking for business next year, and I think it's it's, it's we have to support local. I think if you're stepping to last year, I think the biggest issue would have been using UK uh, hire companies or UK yeah. fabricators and stuff like mm-hmm. that. See mm-hmm. how that is, and see how what your what your um, transportation time is like and whatever um so i think that's probably the biggest issue i suppose the issue then is about um you know working on uk stages mm. so we just have to see i suppose it all depends on the deal that comes out you know but yeah yep. there could be massive changes there yeah mm-hmm. maybe i'm being really naive to think that we'll we'll figure something out you know um so well, I mean, whatever about naive, but I suppose like you're looking at it from an optimistic point of view, maybe, which I think is is fine. Yeah, yeah, it's valid. Yeah. Um, okay, so what what show are you most proud of working on? Now, this is a uh, this is another pick your favorites, tricky oh one, God, and you can't list out like a whole list of shows like. I I suppose what shows when I'm most list of, I mean really was, was really great and I worked on Giselle's touring show which was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when my uh, wife met dogs, which is which is excellent. Um, excellent show. Could be, 
excellent show and then a couple I always loved actually when I was in Zindi Abbey years ago and we did Atui and Jimmy Faye directed and I was like it was that was was great like again Michael did Right Spring which was amazing um yeah I mean it's funny in a way like um it depends I mean Emma uh did a piece for Culture Night this year which I loved and it's like, you know, and I was Rudy's chaperone, uh, which Rudy's me and Anna's daughter. And uh, maybe that that one as well, I loved it. And so, so it was chaperoning and that. So, mm. yeah, it's great. It's been loads. Like, you know, it's quite like, I'll We'll finish up with this question, Pete, and thanks very much for your time. Um, over the past kind of nine months, as you were saying, you've, you've managed to have weekends again. Um, what is the one sort of learning that you've had from this year that you're going to try and take away or the, the most important thing and, and apply to your work in the future? Um. Um, maybe it's that I think we work in a business that work defines who we are. Um, and maybe that's not maybe so good, you know, so maybe a story thing of work in such a way that you, you're able to kind of give yourself a priority or, or, or a voice within that space, you know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, I mean, I know kind of like everybody goes on like mental health and well-being, whatever such a thing, but like, uh, you know, I think that's really important, you know, I suppose being able to to put yourself into that equation, I think is really important yeah, and to put value in your time and your family time and, and all of that, you know. So, yeah, I think that's what it is, is that to make sure that the work works around with what I, and to be fair, it might look at, we get to the other side of this and, you know, I'm, I, the reality of it is, I'm not sure how much theatre work I'd end up doing at the end of all of this but if we if so if if it is so be it because even in the meantime like we've kind of like looking at we built a, a like a rehearsal studio at home and we've got some stuff on the go here as well so cool. yeah so we'll see you know okay well so maybe we'll be seeing some performance streaming from your 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 gaff then in the future well i just maybe i mean obviously it's more going to be like narcos you know, so what we have is we have a plane at the Tuesday, and then we go out, and it's just more of a distribution hub. We'll see. We'll right. see. Well, we said we wouldn't talk about Guatemala and the the prison. So, um, Pete, yeah. thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and um, I'll chat to you soon. Thanks, on. So, uh, thanks very much to Pete for chatting to me. Uh, thanks as well to the Arts Council for supporting this project and to astronaut Mike Dexter who composed the music. In the next episode, I'll be speaking to uh, designer Owen Boss.